0: Our reading this morning is taken from the first book of Samuel, chapter 3, starting at the beginning. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family, from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. God. Apologies if I cough and splutter a little and have to have some water on the way. When's the last time you remember having a dream? Was it comforting? Was it scary? Did you wake up in a cold sweat, being ever so grateful that it was only a dream? Someone close to me used to have the most vivid of dreams... There are lots that I could tell you about, but you will probably fear for his sanity, so uh, I won't reveal too much, although I will share one. He was at boarding school in his dormitory, and it was summer. It was an incredibly hot summer's evening, which made getting off to sleep particularly tricky. Eventually, he did. As far as he was concerned, he had an uneventful night's sleep. Nothing out of the ordinary. Until, that is, he woke up the next morning and found himself outside on the flat roof next to his bedroom window in his bed. It would appear that in the night he decided to take his bed apart and reconstruct it piece by piece outside, where it was obviously cooler. He had absolutely no recollection of this, but his friends assured him that he had, and had sat back and merrily watched him do it. Our subconscious is a very powerful thing, isn't it? There's been lots of research done into sleep and dreams, why we dream, what we dream, when we dream. There are dream interpretation books from across the academic spectrum, There's even a module on some university courses on dream interpretation. There is a secular fascination with dreams, and, of course, a spiritual one. When we sleep, we're at our most vulnerable, not only physically, but mentally. Our defences are down. And any preconceived ideas about our strengths and weaknesses are put to one side. We're open. We're still. We can't run away or distract ourselves with our busyness. God, it would seem, has a captive audience. And as we spend one third of our lives sleeping, we have that most precious of all commodities – time. The night has rich connotations. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her book Learning to Walk in the Dark, explores our tendency to associate all that is good with light, and all that is difficult and dangerous with the dark, and asks whether God doesn't work at night too. Maybe this is why God uses this state to reach us, to speak to us through imagery, through pictures and through experiences. We've heard of one instance here with Samuel, hearing God's voice in his dream, but there are plenty of other experiences and examples in the Bible. Job, Daniel, Josephs, Abimelech, Jacob, the list goes on. Through these encounters, they were challenged, they were encouraged, and they were protected. They were guided by dreams and visions to press on with their journey, both literally and metaphorically. It might be tempting to read these stories and look at them as just historical narratives, to look at these biblical figures and wonder what relevance dreams and visions have to us now, here, living as we do. Surely that was an exceptional time and God was doing exceptional things then. Not according to acts and not according to the stories we hear day to day of God still choosing to reach us in this way. Acts 2 verse 17 says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. When we go to sleep at night, do we ever wonder whether God will speak to us through our dreams, through our visions? There are stories today of people all over the world who have encountered God in this way. Take Pete Gregg, the founder of the 24-7 Prayer Movement and who lives locally. He was given a vision by God over 15 years ago, which inspired him to start 24-7 Prayer. In his book, Dirty Glory, he describes a vision he had while standing on the cliffs of Cape St. Vincent and i'd like to share it with you standing there on those cliffs commanding the prow of a sleeping continent i'd lifted my hands to pray first for africa to the south then for america to the west and finally turning my back to the seas and staring at our little tent and the scrubland beyond i'd begun to pray for europe And that was when I had witnessed the thing that would, I suppose, change the course of my life. Waves of electrical power had begun pulsing through my body, and I'd found myself looking out at an army, a multitude as far as the eye could see. Thousands of ghostly young people seemed to be rising up out of a vast map, superimposed, like a scene from The Lord of the Rings on a physical landscape. There was an eerie hush, a sense of expectancy, as if they were preparing for something potentious, solemnly awaiting orders. I was trembling, blinking in disbelief at the scene, barely daring to breathe. If you're going to start shaking uncontrollably while hallucinating, a cliff top at night is pretty much the worst place and time to do it. I didn't speak about that experience for several years, partly because I didn't know what to do about it, but mainly because I didn't want anyone thinking I was insane. His vision began to make sense as he witnessed the hunger for Jesus among the young people who came into those first prayer rooms in London. God had given him a glimpse of the need, but not yet the understanding of what to do about it. Confusion seems to go hand in hand with dreams and visions. Maybe it's because we're not used to being communicated with in this way. Maybe we do not have the eyes to see, the ears to hear or the heart to understand. Samuel had a similar problem to begin with. He did not recognize the father's voice. He needed a more experienced guide, a mentor to help him. The same, I think, can be said for us. I've been very fortunate to have had mature spiritual friends to walk alongside me, to guide me and to share their wisdom. And I would suggest that we all need a wise, a wise friend, a soulmate, to journey with. We can't be expected to figure it all out on our own if indeed we ever get close. We are all made in the image of God. Three in one. Relationship is in our DNA. If we experience dreams or visions... We need someone to talk to about them, to discern if they are from God, or if it was the something we ate. God longs for a relationship with every single one of us, and he will use whatever means necessary to get our attention. He longs to reveal himself. We're better than in our dreams. When our defenses are down, when we can't run away, we can't change the conversation, we can't give him excuses. In the words of Job, for God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears. Dreams and visions speak of the mystery of God. They speak of depth, of the untouchable, of the unknowable. They speak of the creator of the universe, desperate to reach us through our subconscious. Let us be open to this possibility. Let us be open to the Father, even as we sleep. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you that you long to speak to us. Would you help us to recognise your voice? Would you come to us in the stillness and the sacredness of the night? Let us not be afraid. Would you take us to a place where we can say with Samuel, Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen.